You're listening to Inside the Village, where all news is local and no topic is off limits. So help me, Bob, it's bully in the alley. Hey, bully in the alley. So help me, Bob. Back for another episode of Inside the Village with Michael Friscalati, Editor-in-Chief here at Village Media. I'm Scott Sexsmith, uh, Derek Turner uh, with the week off. Drew Armstrong at the controls uh, for this program. Uh, okay, is it just me or were we not just sitting here? Yeah, we just sat down here. Didn't we? I, I, I know. And, and, and of course, today is Monday. We came into work Friday. T-shirts, jeans, set to kick back, you know, fire up the weekend, maybe get out a little early. Uh, maybe, but Maybe you get out a little early. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it seems that uh, Premier Doug Ford had... Uh, other plans for us. Yeah, a lot huge news on Thursday, obviously, as everybody in, in Ontario has seen, the Premier uh, apologized for what happened with the Greenbelt scandal over the last 10 months, said he was very, very sorry. They're going to put all the Greenbelt land back. Huge development, right? Yeah. And kind of like the the peak of a scandal, so to speak. And uh, we thought it'd be great to have uh, someone on here who could uh, explain to us sort of what's gone on the past 10 months. Right, because today, of course, marks the uh, the kickoff of the uh, fall sitting uh, at the legislature. So uh, no better time than the present to do that. Charlie Pinkerton from the Trillium joins us on a special episode of Inside the Village when we come back after this. Reporters, editors, and journalists who go the extra mile to get the story and get it right. Go behind the scenes with those who cover the stories that matter most to you and your community. Look for it in the Village Features section of your favourite Village Media website across Ontario. Welcome back to Inside the Village with Michael Friscalanti, Editor-in-Chief here at Village Media. I'm Scott Sexsmith. It has been nothing short of a wild 24 hours in Ontario politics, and we're pleased to have with us uh, on the line from the Trillium, Charlie Pinkerton. Charlie, uh, good to see you again. Uh, I guess it's been a busy uh, busy few hours for you. Yeah, well, a few hours, days, weeks, months. <laughs> months, <really> years. <laughs> now, uh, Charlie, let's start. I understand you had a pretty good drive from uh, Toronto to Niagara Falls. Now, as you were on your way there, did you have any inkling whatsoever that uh, Premier Doug Ford was going to say what he said, which was, I'm sorry, we made a mistake, and we're putting all the green belt land back? On the drive there, I really did not. Um, you know, I have spent the last few weeks really thinking about the question of why is the land that was removed um, not being returned to the green belt because well that's really kind of been the million dollar question since the auditor general's report um, because really you know that was august 9th so we're a month and a half into this and had the decision that was made yesterday uh, by the government happened then well then <laughs> You know, there might be a few more cabinet ministers left. Uh, there might be a little less chaos. And so it, it has really been confusing why that decision wasn't made earlier, which was um, sort of why uh, I didn't see it coming until kind of, you know, getting word of rumors a, a few minutes before the premier uh, spoke. Um but yeah, you know, it, it really now in hindsight, I've heard people say, oh, this was inevitable. I, I don't think it seemed inevitable because of how kind of dug in the premier and the government seemed to be up until yesterday. Um, but yeah, it certainly uh, came by surprise uh, yesterday of all days. Well, let's backtrack then, because you mentioned days, months, years, it feels like when you cover these kind of stories. But this kind of does go back to last November, right, when the Ford government announced that they were going to remove about 4,700 acres of protected land from the Green Belt, all part of this plan to build what they say much-needed much housing in the province. 
Let's start from there, Charlie. For those who don't understand, why was that such a significant announcement and triggered so many journalists to start digging? Yeah, well, that really goes back to 2018 when the, um, well, when Doug Ford was PC leader um, and the PCs were trying to uh, win that provincial election um, to unseat 15 years of liberal governments. And it was, of course, during that election campaign when the uh, video sort of resurfaced from the premier from earlier in that year when he told a room of uh, at a private event that um if the PCs were elected, they'd open up the green belt that, you know, when that resurfaced during the 2018 election, uh, there's a bunch of backlash and that's when the premier, uh, you know, made the, uh, well, not the premier yet, but that's when Ford, uh, made the promise that, you know, we won't touch the, the green belt and that, you know, remained the case for, well, throughout the Ford government's first mandate until, well, obviously that changed. And so it was sort of that broken promise that was such a big deal, uh, last November. It wasn't long uh, before journalists, uh, Charlie, including yourself, started looking into the developers who own some of the uh, removed land. What did you find? Yeah, so it's it's really to the credit of um, some of the reporters at the Narwhal and the Toronto Star specifically. Uh, there was reporting elsewhere as well. I think CBC was in on it uh, in November. Uh, so, you know, within, I think, a couple of weeks uh, after the uh, land removals were uh, proposed, um, there was a bunch of connections uh, discovered between the uh, developers who own the land, you know, the donate their donations histories to the PCs, personal connections, the timing of when land was purchased, you know, being within the last few years, um, all tons of things that really raised a lot of uh, flags and, and sort of brought it to the forefront of the discussion here in the Ontario political world. And then, of course, the, we, the revelations of Doug Ford's daughter's wedding and the stag, um, you led the way on that. What did you find there? Yeah, so that uh, that actually um, came to mind, I guess, right when the proposal to remove these lands uh, happened in November, because, uh, you know, I've explained this before, so I won't go so far into the details, but it was the previous summer. Um when I had first heard about uh, some sort of developers party, as it was told to me at the time, at the premier's house, uh, didn't really do too much poking around on it back in summer 2022. But when the Greenbelt changes were announced, uh, I kind of thought to myself, oh, wow, I, I should really double back to that. And so from, uh, yeah, from really the end of 2022 before the Christmas holiday and through the early part of uh, the beginning of this year, uh, spent a good amount of time, you know, doing all the reporting that, yeah, eventually uh, brought to light the fact that, uh, yeah, the premier, his uh, daughter who got married last um, or the summer before this last one, um, that at the uh, Stag and Doe uh, that the premier hosted uh, before it, that there were various developers there. We now know through the integrity commissioner's work that there were two who owned land that was removed from the Greenbelt. One of those developers, Shakir Ramatula, he was at the premier's daughter's wedding last September as well. Um, and yeah, that that sort of came out uh in February. And uh, yeah, I guess that was sort of the next big part of this controversy. And, you know, a lot of people even ask me, you know, why are journalists poking around at this? Why does this matter? You know, and I, I think it's a fair question. It's a dumb question to me, but why is it so important for us to understand the connections between wealthy, powerful people and, and the politicians that we elect? Right. Well, it's, 
it's rather interesting, right? Like I don't uh, do this job to, uh, I, I sort of joke that I'm a lifestyle reporter sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to report on weddings and, and, and <laughs> parties and whatnot, but it's, you know, what happened is what happened. And so, um, yeah, I think it became really clear to me around that time that, yeah, these, you know, these sort of personal connections do matter. And, um, you know, through Auditor General and Integrity Commissioner reports. Um, now, I think that's especially clear. So, Charlie, as all this is happening, there are two separate investigations going on uh, by provincial watchdogs, uh, Ontario's mm-hmm. Auditor General and the Integrity Commissioner. In a nutshell, what did they conclude? Yeah, so both of them uh, in, in very, you know, similar investigations leading to reports written in very different ways. Um, concluded that uh, the former housing minister's chief of staff, uh, whose name is Ryan Amato, um, that he had essentially, uh, you know, really overseen and ran this, uh, you know, very secretive process during the fall of 2022. So very early in the Ford government's uh, second mandate. Um, to very quickly and in a very, uh, you know, unusual way as far as government processes, uh, processes go, um, you know, determine which lands were going to be removed. Uh, we know in very much detail uh, how he came into these specific properties. You know, lots of people are probably familiar with the uh, Building Industry and Land Development um, Association dinner where he received um, uh, packages from developers. There was USB keys. There was you know emails from developers and their lobbyists directly to him. Um, and yeah, so th- those revelations, uh, things that, you know, many journalists like myself have been kind of hunting down for many months, uh, those, you know, came to, uh, came to the public thanks to the Auditor General and the, uh, Integrity Commissioner. And of course, no political scandal would be complete without some reference to Las Vegas, right? <laughs> so, and th- this, this has to be, I don't want to say my favorite part, but w- the most fascinating part to me, and this is all your reporting. Um, and this is back in the summertime in June, I believe, right? You reported on a trip to Las Vegas. Explain to our listeners what you found and why that was relevant. Yeah, so the reporting of that dates back, you know, sort of months before. Um, I guess it was uh, kind of as a follow-up to the Stag and Doe reporting, um, you know, I talk to lots of people every day and people come out of the woodwork here and there. And so I, yeah, had sort of caught wind of the possibility of uh, this trip, um, you know, in the spring, worked on it through the summer, um, figured out, you know, details here and there. Um, and it led us to a point late in June. I think June 29th is when we published the uh, the first story about the Las Vegas trip. Um, and yeah, you know, it was, it was sort of very challenging to, uh, confirm. Um, and well, what, what, what's happened since has been, been very confusing and, you know, there, there were, um, of course in the integrity commissioner's report, that's where a lot of this was sort of, uh, brought back up because the integrity commissioner, uh, based off the reporting that we had done on that, looked into this uh, this trip as part of his work on in his larger Greenbelt investigation, yeah. 
And what he heard was a very different story about, uh, you know, what happened in Vegas than, than we reported. Um, but, you know, we were confident in that reporting, sort of revisited it, um, drummed up some new evidence. Uh, and that's, you know, since led to uh, two, at least two of the four uh, who had, you know, given under oath testimonies about that trip, going back to the integrity commissioner to fix what they said to, you know, collect. Uh, and let me cut, let me cut you off there too, Charlie. I just want to re- repeat what Charlie just said. The reporting that the Trillium did was so important to the integrity commissioner that they want, that the integrity commissioner's office wanted to do their own questioning of these people to find out what happened. They basically read Charlie's story and said, yeah. well, we better haul these guys in and talk to them, right? Uh, yeah, as, as far as I understand it. And so just to, just so we clear, we clear to people, the trip was three people connected to the government and a developer. Who was there? Yeah, so the three uh, connected to the government is uh, Khalid Rashid, the now former, well, now former member of uh, Doug Ford's cabinet, uh, a guy named Amin, Amin Masoudi, who was the principal secretary to the premier at the time of this trip in early 2020, and a uh, another uh, another man named Jay Truesdale, who at the time of the trip was um, he wasn't working in the government at the time; he was in between stints uh, working in the private sector, and he was up until this week the premier's uh, director of housing policy. Uh, so that's the three of them. The developer is uh, Shakir Ramatula, who I think I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, he's pretty prevalent throughout the integrity commissioner's uh, mm-hmm. larger Greenbelt report because he owns land that was removed from the Greenbelt. And what's interesting to me, like you said, is this reporting came out in the summertime, a big story for the Trillium, our, our team at Queen's Park. And then uh, the story kind of bubbled back up because it was it mentioned the integrity commissioner's report. But then also you did some further reporting showing that maybe some of the things that, that were said to the integrity commissioner were not quite accurate. And that caused them to a couple of them to actually go back to the integrity commissioner and say, well, I want to correct something. Is that the way it unfolded? Yeah. And so, you know, the day that the uh, integrity commissioner's report came out on August 30th, um, we saw that there was details about this uh, in the report because of the interviews um, integrity commissioner J. David Wake uh, did with the trip goers. Um, On that date, uh, you know, we sort of set it aside because of how much else was in the report. But, you know, it was sort of that evening that I looked over what they said about the trip. It obviously did not align with what uh, with what we reported, you know, really what I knew to be true. And so that um, both because you know, of the importance of uh, challenging incorrect information under oath, but, you know, our reporting was being called into question based on their, their testimonies. And so uh, essentially we were kind of forced to look back into it. So let's try to count how many people have resigned then throughout this process. <laughs> who, do, who, 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 who have we lost? Uh, throughout the entirety? Or the, no, the, the, in the last month or so, there's been a lot of uh, people leaving. Yeah, so Ryan Amato, the um, former housing minister's uh, chief of staff, he resigned on August 22nd. Uh, Steve Clark, the housing minister, he resigned on September 4th. Uh, Khalid Rashid, he resigned on, I believe, this Wednesday, uh, and Jay Truesdale, um, the uh, Premier's former uh, Director of Housing Policy, he resigned this week. I don't want to say that it's vindicating because, like you said, we're not uh, – journalists are out there trying to tell the truth. We're trying to understand what happens and report report the, the, the facts. But when you see this many people resign, does it make you feel like, well – I knew that this was an important story. I knew there was a reason why we were chasing this down. Yeah, you know, it's 
yeah, I've been getting lots of like, you know, texts this week and some of them are congratulations and <laughs> it's, I don't really know how to respond to those because, uh, you know, it, it is strange. Like we're, we're not here to make anyone lose their job. Um, is that a signal of us doing the right work? I, I would think so, but you know, it's, it's kind of a, a strange feeling. Um, you know, it, it's certainly, I, I would say vindicating is the right word to describe, um, you know, other media picking this up and there being, especially because like what we had reported again was, was challenged um and under oath and that that's what made um that that's what sort of raised the stakes because it was so unbelievable that uh these testimonies given under oath um contrary to our reporting would um wouldn't be be true but you know we know that to be the case now and and charlie i guess one other resignation that came out friday monty mcnaughton but of course uh word is that's not related uh to the green belt yeah, he and the premier's office in each of their statements said that uh, that, like you said, Scott, unrelated. Uh, the timing, of course, is uh, is rather interesting. Um, not only because of the whole green ballot scandal and controversy and whatnot, but also because we're just days away from the return of. Uh, of the sitting at Queens Park. And so whoever it is that fills that role, uh, same goes with uh, Khalid Rashid's, um, you know, there's gonna be some shuffling around in, in uh, Ford's cabinet. And that, that's rather unusual to happen just a few days before, uh, well, question period starts back up when these ministers are expected to, uh, you know, know their files quite well. So that kind of brings us back to Thursday afternoon in Niagara Falls, um, where the premier says what he says. I don't know if it's an unfair question, Charlie, but it was it just the 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 constant dealings with this file being in the headlines every day that the premier realized he just had to to backtrack on this or what are you hearing why did he decide that this was the time finally to apologize and say we're going to put it all back you know i i think it's a number of things um you know he came out yesterday and um said that he had heard from members of his caucus about what they were hearing in their communities about uh this decision um and I think that's that's true and real. Um, I also think that uh, you know Premier Ford is someone who th- this is part of part of his brand. He's he's not afraid of going back on decisions when they're not received well. Uh, I think that's something that people actually uh, quite like about him as a politician. Politician. This one is is a bit strange because. Uh, this isn't some, you know, same day, next day, flip flop or whatever. This this is something that they have held uh, or they have stood by for almost a year now. Um, I think the the turn in public opinion uh, that we've experienced in the last two months since lots of these revelations have come out, uh, I think that played a role. Um, but I also think, you know, the there's still the possibility of an RCMP investigation. There's still other uh, provincial watchdog uh, investigations um, that uh, may be happening into this. Um, and in terms of making the decision yesterday to, um, you know, to walk this back, it, it, it stops the bleeding in some sense. Mm-hmm. So, Charlie, uh, Doug Ford obviously didn't resign, and he says it will be up to the people uh, come election time uh, to decide his fate. In the interim, though, what do you think that will do as, as far as popularity polls, and, and what is the impact on uh, on Doug Ford? Yeah, well, he's he's taken a uh, – he and the PCs have taken a significant hit uh, in the polls. Um 
there was a fascinating moment to me. I think it was last week at a press conference uh, by uh, Premier Ford when he was asked about the effect this has had on, you know, how Ontarians view his government. And he answered right away with, he said, you know, we're, we're at 38, 39%. Uh, and, you know, he said something similar to what he said yesterday about, you know, voters can judge us. Uh, I believe according to him last week, 38, 39% would still get the PCs a majority. Um, I do think that uh, these last couple of months have the opposition parties, their war rooms, they've got a lot of their election ads probably uh, already cut and written. Um, so, you know, we're, we're very far away from a provincial election still. Um, so I don't think that this issue will loom as large as if, you know, an election was in a few months from now, but it's impossible to predict how much, uh, how much sort of um, impact it'll have come the next vote. Selfishly, I just want to talk about the Trillium for a minute. For those who don't know, the Trillium is where you work. It's uh, our Village Media's uh, bureau at Queen's Park, um, been around since early in the new year. Um, um, and I just have been in awe of the work we've done since we've launched there. And it's very little to do with me, None, nothing to do with me <laughs> at all. <laughs> but uh, just in awe of the work we've done, we've broke, we've broke so many big stories and are just uh, explaining provincial politics to our readers in a way that nobody else is. And um, I have to be honest, we were not meant, the Trillium was mentioned on The National in their reporting and CBC. The Global Mail stories uh, credited the Trillium. Um, how's that been, Charlie? I mean, are people starting to realize uh, how new we are, but we're doing some great work? Yeah, you know, it's it's um it's been good. It's it's good to feel recognized and feel like <laughs> difference and doing good work and whatnot. I like to say uh, you know, it's nice to get your flowers and well uh this week the people of Ontario got seventy four hundred acres of uh flowers. So there you go. All right. Good stuff. Uh, Charlie Pinkerton uh, from The Trillium. By the way, uh, if you want to subscribe and read the great work uh, that they continue to do day in and day out, uh, trillium.ca. Uh, it's a great read, great investment. Uh, you'll love it. Uh, Charlie, take the afternoon off. I think you've earned it, man. Thanks thanks for doing this. I'm sure you have some phone calls to take as soon as you hang up here. So don't yeah, take the afternoon off. <laughs> <laughs> never ends. The show goes on. For the latest in in-depth features and enterprise journalism from your local writers at Village Media, be sure to check out The Big Read. The Big Read, it's the full story behind the headlines. Look for The Big Read on your favourite Village Media website across Ontario. Back to wrap on uh, Inside the Village on this Monday. I'm Scott Sexsmith with uh, Michael Friscaletti, Editor-in-Chief here at Village Media. And I guess these stories are, are what people in journalism live for, right? This is, this is the Super Bowl. This is the Stanley Cup final. And uh, a guy like uh, Charlie Pinkerton is, uh, is certainly the MVP. And it's funny. You don't know when it's going to be when, when you cover these kind of political scandals. Uh, they go on for months, as this oh. one did, and they, they're, you're just chipping away. And as Charlie alluded to, it's a real grind of just finding out information. Like he mentioned, you're talking to this person, you're talking to that person, you're hearing things, you're trying to confirm things, you're getting people reaching out to you to suggest where you should might want to follow these crumbs over there. And sometimes they're worth it, sometimes it's not. So there's a whole process going on and it's just a lot of talking to people, right? And trying to figure out what you can and cannot confirm. And this has been one of those stories that has kind of 
inched its way forward day after day. Um, great reporting from including our team at the Trillium, but from other journalists as well, just showing what happened here. And it's just, I don't know, it, it's, I don't want to say funny, but the, the premier decides now's the time to say, I'm very, very sorry, and I'm going to put it all back. And you're like, well, this has been going on for a long time. Why, why now? Yeah, and and Charlie brings up a good point too that uh, uh, you know the next provincial election is still what three years away, so lots can change between now and then. The premier, by his own admission, said, "Hey, we're still at thirty eight, thirty nine percent in the polls," which, mm-hmm. as Charlie said, you know could likely be enough for another majority. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe those three years between now and that election. You know, people forget about stuff. People mm. move on. It'll uh, be interesting to see. We have short attention spans, that's for sure. And as Charlie said, it's a, you really stop the bleeding with a press conference like that. And, you, and I mean, two cabinet ministers, two senior staffers, like that's – people are dropping here, right? And yeah. at some point you do have to kind of stop the bleeding, as Charlie said. Yeah, they, they seem to be dropping all around the premier. Yeah, yeah. Yet the premier still standing tall. <laughs> All right. That's a great show. Uh, Charlie doing uh, some fabulous work as uh, he and the entire staff at the Trillium continue to do uh, day in and day out. Again, the Trillium.ca. Log on and subscribe for some great political reporting uh, by Charlie and the staff there. Okay. ITV at VillageMedia.ca. If you'd like to uh, reach out to uh, Frisco, myself, uh, Derek, when he's back, Drew in the interim, ITV at VillageMedia.ca. Find all of our episodes uh, at uh, InsideTheVillage.ca. You can also find them across the uh, Village media network or wherever you subscribe to your favorite podcasts thanks for watching uh, this week we'll be back again next week with another installment of inside the village you've been listening to inside the village fresco and scott's wardrobe provided in part by moore's sault ste marie